Welcome to Headroom, where we discuss all things essential to mental health and well-being. I'm your host, Jim Owens, a licensed professional counselor at Lansing Community College. Before we begin, I'd like to emphasize that this podcast does not constitute psychotherapy. It does, however, introduce you to some phenomenal people who have incredible ideas for you and your life. Having said that, let's get into the headroom and begin today's conversation with Pam Davis, licensed professional counselor at Lansing Community College. Welcome, Pam. Hi, Jim. Glad to be here. Good. Thanks for coming on. So I have this podcast kind of split up into three acts, if you will. One is just for us to get to know you a little bit and then a little bit about your college journey and then maybe some advice and ideas you have about how students and anyone in the community could benefit um, from learning how to improve their mental health and well-being. So who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I tend to, like a lot of people, define myself first with my career, which Mm -hmm. I'm a counselor here at LCC. But I also like to think of myself as a friend, a family Mm -hmm. member, someone who enjoys connecting with people Mm -hmm. and doing things um, from, I don't know, wine tasting Mm -hmm. to doing puzzles, playing cards, just real casual Mm -hmm. kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I just... I love my job. Mm-hmm. Been here 28 years, so wow. and counseling is a passion that I've had for a long time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. And so, how did you, you know, where are you at in life? How did you get here? Just a little bit about maybe where you came from, how you came to Lansing, something like that. Sure. Well, I I started by going to Lake Superior State, transferred to Michigan State my junior year, and fell in love with the Lansing area. Mm. By the time I graduated with my master's, I had a lot of friends locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I left town for a while, came back, worked for the state, ended up at LCC about eight years later, and have been mm-hmm. here, like I said, 28 years. Mm. And um, I would say I'm kind of like in the late stages of my career, mm-hmm. and um, kind of thinking about retirement options, mm-hmm. but part of that will include counseling. I know oh, yeah. the passion won't leave me for that, mm-hmm. but I'm also kind of excited about exploring options of doing random mm-hmm. things I've never done before, like volunteering for a garden club mm-hmm. or working at a humane society yeah. or just any kind of thing like that. Yeah. So just having more options, but still mm-hmm. help. I could still see myself helping people in some way. Yeah, I hear from very few counselors who when they retire, they want to fully retire. I think most of us say we want to just work part time, maybe. Yes, yes. Right. At our own schedule. Mm-hmm. Mine would be between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can sleep in, have sleep your coffee. Sleep in, yep, and then have my afternoon and <laughs> yeah, evenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get into the garden or whatever you yep. want to do, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us think the same way. We love what we do. I know you do, and yes. you're passionate about it, so that makes a lot of sense. So. Anything in particular that you're working on that you want to accomplish yet in life? Big? Uh, you know, again, I think I feel like in some ways I'm in my wind down stages. Yeah. Um, no resume building for me anymore, mm-hmm. I think. But I think it is just exploring what other kind of things I can do mm-hmm. and how I can uh, just access life mm-hmm. from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if money didn't count, I think I'd work in a coffee slash bookstore yeah. kind of place, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. so I, I, I don't really know. Yes. I don't mm-hmm. know if I have any more big challenges on my docket, but I just think a lot of ways I can still connect with people, yeah. do some traveling, experience life. Yeah. It sounds like you're leaving this uh, next chapter of your life open for exploration, adventure, 
we'll see. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. We're so used to when we bump into each other asking this question, like, well, what are you planning on? What are you working on? What's new? What's coming up for you? And like, I think it's okay to say, I don't know. I'm going to see. Yeah. I'm going to have a vacuum of time and space and we'll see how I fill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And have some flexibility yeah. um, and not tie in like a 40 mm-hmm. hour jobs, mm-hmm. you know, a week job that you're tied mm-hmm. into and, and responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to do parts of things that aren't your favorite part of your job, but it's the sacrifice you make for 90% of the job you mm-hmm. love. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's my, how I look forward to retirement. Mm-hmm. It's right, just more cool. flexibility. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, this question about what are you doing with your life and where are you going in life? That's something we ask high school seniors and college freshmen and college sophomores a lot. And you had to wrestle with that as a young person when you decided to go off to college. And I'm sure a lot of people were putting that question to you as a young woman, like, so what are you going to do with your life and where are you going to go? And you shared earlier that you went to LSSU, like Superior State University. Yes. Some people may not even know where that is, but tell us about how you decided to even go to college or and how that fits in? Well, in my family, it wasn't, are you going to college? It's where, mm. where do you want to go? And so I didn't even realize, I think till I was done with college that I might've had other options. <laughs> and I'm like, I could have joined the Peace Corps. Yeah, I could have yeah. taken a gap year. I, that was never an option in our family. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm grateful for that. And I honestly chose Lake Superior State because no one else in my class was going there. Uh And I visited it with a friend and I absolutely loved it up there. It was very small. I think Mm -hmm. they, at that time, they were a college, not a university. And I Mm -hmm. think they had 1,500 students. It was very small. Mm -hmm. One cafeteria for the whole college, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also knew I couldn't uh, get a degree from there because I thought I wanted to teach the deaf, Uh, hard of hearing. And they didn't even really have a regular ed program. So Mm -hmm. I, I... transferred to Michigan State and having been raised a Michigan fan, um, I chose it because of the curriculum they had. Then I decided Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a teacher. Then I got talked into someone who was very excited about audiology, which is testing hearing. Mm -hmm. And during my master's level of audiology, I realized that fitting hearing aids and telling people to call me if they had a problem, I wanted to connect with the emotional feelings they might have had for their own loss or if they had a child who was deaf or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I realized then that I really wanted to get into counseling. You didn't want to provide just technological support to no, their struggle. No. You wanted to get into the emotional. I wanted the emotional side. Yeah. So I, my master's is in uh, rehabilitation counseling, vocational okay. rehabilitation, yeah. which is helping people with disabilities find employment. Yeah. So I'm curious. I wonder if even people can relate to this a little bit more. When you said I went to LSSU, which I think is in the Sioux, is that right? Yes, it's in the Sioux Upper Saint Peninsula, Sioux yep. Marie. And was part of that that looks like a great campus to go to. And I want to get out and spread my wings and be kind of independent from where I grew up. Was that any of it at all? Like, yeah, I, I think so. Away? I think yeah. so. Um, I was the only daughter, the oldest. And I, I think mm-hmm. that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my class, I grew up in Greenville. Most of them were going to Central or Michigan State. I love the campus up there. I love the smallness of it. And I just wanted, I love winter. Mm -hmm. I love it. Just, I don't know. It just was so appealing to me. I'm I'm going up there for a couple of years and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do from there. I hear they have to truck the snow out of the towns up there in the winter, like out of the parking lots. They probably do. Yeah. Yeah, We walked through mazes that were like head high sometimes. Yeah. Because of the snow. It was great. That's interesting. (laughs) So I'm a little bit more curious, too, about your career, because I think people could relate to 
changing your major. You had a sense about education and then audiology and working with the deaf and hard of hearing. And there was something, though, that you became aware of inside of you about, I want to connect with people mm-hmm. on an emotional level. Do you have a, a sense of where that started or how that kind of grew or where that came from? Or You know, I've studied personality styles. I think that's one of my primary personality styles mm. is kind of connecting with people, wanting okay. to help people. I know a lot of people choose their careers and they say, I want to help people. Yeah. Um, but I, friends would connect with me. I always felt in high school that I was a good listener. People mm-hmm. would bring their problems to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that I just wanted to help them through the best mm-hmm. I could. And that my parents tried to teach me that what we had was a good thing. Yeah. It was it was middle class, yeah. uh, but it was still better than a lot of people experienced. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to give back and just help people with their struggles, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you've been doing that here for almost 30 years. Yes. And at the state of Michigan for almost a decade before that. So right. what about in your college journey? Was there something that you got to a point where you said, I don't know if I can go on or something that nearly stopped you from graduating or that made it really difficult to press, press on? Um, I don't know about really difficult. Mm -hmm. I do remember when my, I watched from my bedroom window up at Lake Superior State, watched my parents drive down onto I-75 with my 11 year old younger, Mm -hmm. or he was 11 years younger than me, still is. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm seven-year-old waving to me and I'm like what have I done (laughs) you know I I'm gonna be three hours from home I'm the only one from my class I did know one other person was a year ahead of me but and then I I shed some tears and I'm like nope you made this decision you need to work with it Mm. um and then I I did I met one of my best friends who's still a good friend now um within an hour after deciding I was going to make the best of it. So, but then when I transferred to Michigan state, um, it was overwhelming the size. I went from 1500 students to however many they had back then. Um, and I remember walking on campus once I wasn't really happy. I didn't like my roommate. Um, I hadn't really met anybody much yet. And I remember walking on campus going, I could disappear and no one would miss me for days. And that was really hard and discouraging. Um, But then I just decided to look for options. Mm, And mm -hmm. um, I was able, because I was a junior, able to transfer to a co-ed floor. Mm. They put me on a freshman floor for some reason. (laughs) And my roommate was a true acting freshman. Like a freshman, yeah. Yeah. and then I got a job at one of the cafeterias that was, uh, it served the professors or anybody oh, could come yeah. into it. So yeah. you had to be at least a junior work there. Oh, okay. And I started connecting with people there, people more my age. Yeah. And that became like my second family. Mm, and wow. my dad was not happy I moved to a co-ed floor. But when I told him they were like brothers and would walk me home from work at, when it was night, then he was a little bit bad, okay with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Those he bought were, that line? He no, did. He bought it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think just that feeling of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to make choices to make it the oh, best yeah. of it is what helped me. Yeah. I think even, you know, we think about us being LCC being um maybe a middle-sized, we're, I think, kind of large for a community college. Yeah. But to come here from, I don't know what your graduating class was in Greenville, it was probably relatively small, 100, 200 people or something, to go to a campus of thousands. And, and our students experience that here when they come to our campus. This is huge. Right. Well, some of our yes. schools surrounding here, that, that where they come to college here from, 
their graduating classes are 40 or 50 students for their whole senior class. Yeah. And, and then they come here and we have, you know, 10,000 students here. Right. And it's a big city. <laughs> it is and, a big city. Yeah. And one-way roads now that yes. are not, but, yes, you yeah. know, well, lots, yeah. mm-hmm. lots of confusion. Yeah. And yeah, it's very overwhelming it for is. them sometimes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's really helpful. I, th- I appreciate you sharing that. I think it helps people realize a little bit more about that not all of our journeys through college and into our professions, where you've been very successful and you're educated and have had a long career. It's been very um, impressive to people to look at from the outside, like, wow, how do you get to that? And it's like, well, it wasn't a straight, easy path. It right. was, took a lot of work and discernment and determination. I heard you say a couple of times that I just made up my mind to do this thing and did it. Yeah. That's yeah. a powerful quality to have. I don't know if that's something you've cultivated or always had, or you've made it stronger. Yeah, um, and it, it applies sometimes in my life and not so good in other okay. areas. <laughs> I mean, it's not a perfect trait of mine, but oh, okay. it has definitely helped in, in certain ca- occasions yeah. over the time. Yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. You're right. There's also this conception that counselors have all their stuff together and they're totally mentally right. you know, clear all the time. It's like, no, we've got some chaos in our lives, yep, too. Yeah, exactly. Plenty. Yep. Okay, so the last section of the podcast, I like to talk about ideas, um, powerful ideas for students. And I call this podcast Headroom because it seems like we'd all be a little better off if we had a little more head in our space mm-hmm. to, to have more flexibility, uh, emotional regulation, handle another crisis without it tipping us over the edge. And so what are some ideas that you have come across that you think um, could help people better manage the challenges that they have with their mental health? I th- uh, when I read this question earlier, I wrote down self-care and share. Uh, I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of a little, mm-hmm. little catchy phrase. Yeah. And I think part of it is really taking care of ourselves to the best that we can. Um, in my stress management class, I describe it as keeping the bathwater tub low. Mm. So then when there's a crisis mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. other things get added to it, the water doesn't overflow. And so, and we do that with self-care. However, you know, I teach stress management techniques, breathing, meditation, all of that, or just taking time to go for a walk, uh, draw, do whatever to lower our stress levels. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we can manage those extra hits, the flat Mm -hmm. tire, the unexpected bill or whatever comes our way. We have room in our emotional health to handle those Mm -hmm. things. And then I added share because I think it's really important. Obviously, mm-hmm. I listen to people talk to me about it mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. but to to not keep things mm-hmm. inside and actually share them with mm-hmm. other people. And even if it's a few trusted friends mm-hmm. um, or find a profess, uh, professional mm-hmm. that can listen objectively. Mm-hmm. Our friends are great. Our family's great, but they often think they know better for us than we know for ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And they're, they're more inclined to give advice. I think so. Um, but to just not keep things bottled up, I think people find when they share, they find more people are experiencing the same things than they're not. And they they learn that they're not alone in what they're struggling with. Yeah, actually, I think that's huge. One of the techniques we sort of refer to in counseling is normalizing, which really I would relabel that to commonizing because we don't want to say people are normal or abnormal or experience is normal or abnormal, Good but point. we want to say it's common. Yes. And I know you've had the experience with students sit down in our offices and they tell us something horrible that's going on, some difficulty, and you go, that's a lot of people have experienced that. And they go, really? I'm not the only one. And there's some kind of cathartic relief just knowing. Yes. Yes. If, if they believe us, which they, I think they do, mm-hmm. that this is really common and sometimes even expected for this stage of life that you're in. Right. Like to feel overwhelmed on a campus at MSU coming from a small school and a small college. 
yeah, that's common. A lot of people actually feel overwhelmed when they come to a big campus. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they don't um, share it with anyone. So we don't know that other right. people are going through what we're going through. Yeah. So self-care. Yes. Let's hammer down on that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for my own benefit and for anyone who's listening, because I need to remind myself constantly about this too. And you're so right. The bathtub is a great image because I'm immediately picturing my kid throwing stuff into the bath and, and just other people <laughs> come in and throw things into my bathtub and fill it up, you know? Right. I didn't ask for all this stuff to be in here. Yes. So what is self-care? Is it like, it's part of it is the things I can do to keep the water level low. Yes. But then some of it is going through and cleaning out and getting rid of stuff that shouldn't be there. I know we're speaking metaphorically, but I don't know if you could say more about no, that. No, yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's looking at what's priority right now. Mm -hmm. um, everything has seasons to it. Mm -hmm. So with you having a, a son, mm -hmm. um, you have priorities now that you might not have 20 years ago that right. um, or had 20 years ago and have 20 years from now. And so we need to look at what can kind of go to the side a little bit mm -hmm. or not be um, our primary focus mm -hmm. and make choices and really kind of help sort mm -hmm. through that and say, what's important to me now? Mm -hmm. what, is, what is the the next best thing that I can do right now? And then some of the other stuff will either go away. It's hard. You know, I talk to a lot of students, as I'm sure yeah. you do that, yeah. have parents or family members uh, spouses, kids, partners, whatever, that put stresses on them. Yeah. And sometimes we don't feel like we are totally in control of um, all of our choices right. in life. And sometimes we're not. Right. But if we can look and say, okay, but this is for a time. Yeah. And I talk to students a lot about things being temporary. Yeah. You know, they so want to move out of their parents' house, yes. but they it's how they afford school and yeah. not have to work so much. And so it's temporary. It might be two years temporary, but yeah. it's still temporary. Yeah. And to try to sort through that and figure out what is a priority and mm -hmm. what can be put aside, what mm -hmm. can be put aside temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, another thing in, along those lines is we don't say, well, whatever we do, we want to give 100%. Right. Well, the truth is we can't totally give 100% to everything all the time. But if we're in that moment, maybe we can give 100% in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like if this is my time to study, mm -hmm. it's 100% for two hours. Mm -hmm. But then an hour after that, I'll be playing with my child or yeah. spending time with my partner. Switch. And switch. switch and then yeah. and then try to be 100% or as close to that mm -hmm. as possible in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that can sometimes help too. I, I can, can I go with that a little bit further and say sure. on a Saturday, sometimes I'll let myself do 0%. Yes. <laughs> is that okay? That's self-care because <laughs> I think doing nothing is self-care. It's yeah. doing something. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a meme on Facebook was mm -hmm. like, if you ask me what I'm doing and I say nothing, don't ask me to do something because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, today I'm doing yes, nothing yes. and it's what I'm choosing to do and that's okay. I think there's some deep wisdom in this, the, the power of that nothing is something and it's something it really is. important. It's allowing your body to heal yeah. and rest yeah. and it's giving your mind a break. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need that to some mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. And you know, people are wired differently. Some people need more of it. Yeah. Um, some need less. Some yeah. are energized by being around other people and being yeah. active and others um, get exhausted by that. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm a kind of person, I love to go speak to a class, but then mm -hmm. I don't mind 
going into my office with no noise for an hour afterwards, mm-hmm, you know, um, cause it, it just takes more energy out of me. Yeah. Other people are like that fires them up and they want to do more of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So recognizing how we refuel is yeah. good. This is a very important thing for people to learn as they grow up. Like wh- what takes energy from me and what gives it back? Yes. And again, again, energy metaphorically here, but there are some things that are just draining and some of those things that are draining in life, we have to attend to no matter what. Yes. Uh, for, for example, you know, changing diapers at two o'clock in the morning or whatever the things are that we just you have to do. So find ways to make sure that battery gets recharged throughout the day as, as best as possible. And I would say to adding to your point, sharing, share the burden with others if you can and when you can. Yes. The 100 percent. If there's two of you, you each only have to give 50 percent to the effort to get it done. In fact, when I was in college, one of the ways I think I was successful is because I did study groups and I partnered with people oh, to prepare yes. for exams yes. and to work on our papers together and our presentations together, even if we won't co-authoring them. I was just like, why am I going to do this on my own? Or even when I was a student at LCC, I would use the tutoring uh, department to do my math homework because I'd show up and a tutor would help me. Wouldn't do it for me, but I was like, I'm going to sit and do the homework anyway. I might as well have a tutor here help me right, through it. Exactly. Why not? So yeah, share the burden, share the load, right? Yes, yes. I talk a lot about that with mm-hmm. um, students that are having families and they're in the nursing or some of our other health careers. Yeah. I mean, not that all degrees aren't demanding, but those tend to be a little higher demands. Yeah. And and in engaging the kids into saying, mm-hmm. hey, if mom or dad could study till seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I get good grades, you know, like yeah. short term goals. But then at the end of the semester, we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese's or yeah, some, yeah, yeah, or, or whatever the family places yeah. and, yeah. and enlisting people in the goals and encouraging them to help around the house, even if it's just putting dishes in the dishwasher, right. if they're old enough and yeah. that kind of thing to to share the burden yeah. and not put all the responsibility on on one person. Yeah. Yeah, that sense of community and sharing, you know, going through college together. I think we, we still walk into classrooms and we think, I've got to sit at my desk and get my papers and my exams. But I know we have really good faculty who put students into group work, and you probably do this yourself as a teacher and have yep. work on assignments together. And I, I think even in our professional work, you and I, we work together and mm-hmm. we share the workload. We we have something, a report that has to be done or a presentation that has to be done. We'll work on it together. Yes. Um, yeah record a podcast. We'll do that together. Well, <laughs> you know, whatever it is like, so even I think it's a life skill to learn how to share the workload. It might as well start doing it as a student. You're going to do it in the professional world. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about anything else you have notes for like essential to mental health kinds of things that you've learned? Wow. These would be great if people, you know, thought up, considered this idea or looked at things this way or that way. Oh, let me see. I think I've talked about a a lot of them. Uh, One thing I think it's important to remember, especially with social media, is, and I wish I could quote where I heard Mm, this from or read, (laughs) because I think it's so valuable, but that most people, we tend to compare our insides with someone else's outsides. Mm. So, and I think that's only been exaggerated with social media and everybody puts all their best selves on social media and so it's easy to look at them and think they have their lives together and we don't because we know our weaknesses we know the things we don't like about ourselves and we assume that the other person is got all their ducks in the row you know and so i think when we can learn to stop comparing ourselves to others Mm -hmm. and we can learn from others and we can mm-hmm. learn what we like about another person, whether well, they're this or that. And I, I, I want to 
see how they do that mm-hmm. or yep. maybe become a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, so we can definitely learn from others, but be we inspired. don't be inspired by others. That's mm-hmm. a good way to put it, but we don't have to be them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like you're going on for your doctorate. Right. <laughs> you right. know, I don't, I can be totally okay going, yeah. you know what? We're about the, both the same in life, almost 10 yep. years difference. Yep, yep, yep. And I could be totally okay that that's not what yeah. is in my plan. Right. Right. Um, and it's be still be excited for you cause it's in yours mm-hmm. and that we each have different paths mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, to not compare yeah. and, yeah, I, and hurt ourselves because of it. It's, it's a dangerous, it's a double-edged sword kind of right. Cause we look at other people for inspiration as, and as an example, as a mentor, a model. Yes. But we should not measure ourselves against them because right. we don't know the resources they started with the happy accidents that came into their life to help them along their journey sure, yeah. that we didn't get, or maybe sometimes we did get. And so, right. Yeah. Comparing just doesn't make a lot of sense, but, no. but inspiring, you know, having an inspirational person out there. I think a lot of us might've pinned up pictures of athletes or, you know, people who were inspired us in our bedrooms when we were kids or in our lockers, you know, remember hanging things inside yep. your locker and stuff. Yeah. So. Those vision boards, vision things boards, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah. just because we're not, like them doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're less than. And Absolutely. I think it's really important to realize what our true strengths are and what we bring. Wow, that's good. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Sure. And thank you for coming on the podcast. If anyone's interested in one-on-one help with their mental health or well-being, we have a counseling center on campus that currently enrolled students have access to. You can find out more at lcc.edu counseling. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in the headroom. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's downtown and west campuses offer conference and event spaces that can accommodate over 500 attendees. Professional event planners are available for assistance from setup to catering. For more information about LCC's conference and event spaces, visit lcc.edu and search conference. Hi, I'm John Seleggi, director of the LCC Library. Join me and my co-hosts, Amy Ewald, Robin Moore, and Abby Tebow for a new show here on LCC Connect called Written in the Stars. It's all about writers, publishers, and lovers of the written word at LCC. Written in the Stars, coming soon to LCC Connect. Find updates at lccconnect.org. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. The foundation annually accepts scholarship applications from November through January. Learn more at lcc.edu scholarships. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Convos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. 
Hello, welcome to The Convo. I'm Cassie Little and I am back to talk about some upcoming LCC Performing Arts events. And with me once again is Paige Tufford, our Performing Arts Production Coordinator. Welcome back, Paige. Hi, Cassie. Hello. So, Sense and Sensibility is the next show. It is. It's coming up uh, in November and it's directed by Mary Job, theater faculty here. And it's the classic Jane Austen with a little bit of a twist. A little bit of a twist. So I'm ashamed to say I've never read or seen Sense and Sensibility. I've, what? I know, I know. I've seen clips, you know, for forever. I've heard, I, I know about it. But mm-hmm. so for me and others, can you give us a little rundown of Sense and Sensibility? Well, it is um, one of Jane Austen's first published novels. It was written over 200 years ago. And it has withstood the test of time yes. in film and on stage. <laughs> and it's basically about two sisters, the Dashwood sisters, Marianne and Eleanor, and their trials and tribulations with love and society and family. and Timeless. It is timeless. <laughs> yes. And this version is by Kate Hamill. Um, so it's, like you said, a little bit of a twist on stage. It is. Um, I don't want to, you know, give any yeah. spoiler alerts, <laughs> but the director uh, says it's not your grandmother's Jane Austen. So Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not dusty at all. It's fresh and fun. Yeah. And it's going to be a great time. And this, once again, is in the Black Box Theater. Um, is there, I know we mentioned last time, it, the production Isaac's Eye had all students involved do you know if this one is students community members it's all students we even have a couple of uh, high school students oh wow who auditioned and um yeah Yeah. all students so we're excited about that definitely um and again the production quality costumes acting is always great so make sure to come check it out um i'm excited to see the costumes in this because even though i haven't read or or you know seen versions of this i know that the costumes are always great oh shelly peterson does a fantastic job she's our costume designer Awesome. So Sense and Sensibility is coming up. It is running November 10th through the 12th and November 17th through the 19th. And that is on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, You can find the full show info, including dates, times, tickets, show information at lcc.edu slash show info. And that will be in the Black Box Theater. Anything else you want to cover about Sense and Sensibility? Well, uh, we have two entrances that patrons can enter the building. Uh, There's free parking in the Ganning parking ramp on the first level. Those doors will be unlocked. And then the other entrance on Grand, right underneath the Black Box Theater marquee, uh, that will also be unlocked. So free parking on the street in the evenings. I know there's been some construction, but just give yourself some extra time to make sure you find parking and the entrances, and then you can settle in for a great show. All right. So Sense and Sensibility, once again, coming up at LCC in the Black Box, and we will probably have Paige back on the convo to talk about the next show that will be in 2024, along with some other upcoming productions from the classes uh, to close out this fall semester. Thank you for joining us on the Convo page, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Community Convos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. 
To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Cesar Chavez Learning Center's Access Program at Lansing Community College creates a community on campus for underrepresented students, providing them with a support network and multiple layers of academic, social, and professional experiences. Access also incorporates workshops and resources that assist in educational and career advancement. To find out more about Access, visit lcc.edu and search Access Program. Hi, I'm John Selegi, director of the LCC Library. Join me and my co-hosts, Amy Ewald, Robin Moore, and Abby Tebow for a new show here on LCC Connect called Written in the Stars. It's all about writers, publishers, and lovers of the written word at LCC. Written in the Stars, coming soon to LCC Connect. Find updates at lccconnect.org. We don't want to take your picture, we want to give it to you for free. LCC's President's Office in the Photography Department presents Help Portrait. Get a professional headshot or family photo Saturday, December 2nd in the Gannon Commons on LCC's downtown campus. Learn more and register at lcc.edu and search portrait. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. Now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Yes, I am home and I'm ready for another great episode. Welcome to Time Signatures. I'm your host, Jim Irvin. And uh, we are in our second interview, our second portion of our interview with Detroit's Prince of the Blues, Chris Canis. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Glad, Glad to have you. Here. There's so much to talk about. I had to do another episode <laughs> with you. Yeah, you got another. I'm sure you got another album coming. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. How, there's how there's long plenty of content. Um, I don't know, because we're we're still still cooking with Detroit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are a lot of songs. Um, one in particular is like really near and dear to me. Mm. It's a song I wrote for my mom. I wrote it when she was still here with us. Yeah. And I I remember distinctly. I was like, oh, I was so excited to have her here, and I was like, I want you to hear this song. So I went to her house. And got her Takamini, her her acoustic guitar that she sure. never played, 
because she was like, I don't know how to play this. I was like, just leave it here. I'll play it. So I got her guitar. We were in the kitchen. She was standing at the island making some, like, green tea matcha or something. I don't know what she was doing. But um, so I started playing the song, and I was like, this is your song. And she she teared up, and her partner teared up, and it was just the three of us in there in that moment. And then she... She was. She just got really sad for some reason because of the the meaning of the song, and, and then I when she passed away in 2020, I rewrote the song to change the lyrics a little bit because it was more so like future tense when I wrote it. Right. And now it's like, well, now it happened, so now it's now it's got to be present tense. Yeah. And, um, or past tense. So, so yeah. So I rewrote the song. And was totally unable to play it for a very long time. I can imagine. And uh, I think I played it on her anniversary, her her birth anniversary, on, I think it was maybe a year ago. A year ago. I played it acoustically because I wrote it acoustically. It's like an acoustic song. And, um, and like, I think you still, Amber, and I think she gets, still gets upset when I play it. Wow. I can, I get to a certain part, and I'll, I'll, I, can, I can say what, what it is. The part is, like, I try to call you every day but you're not there anymore. And that's the part that hits me hardest. And that's the part that's hardest for me to say. I feel you, Amber. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm like getting upset thinking about it now, but listen, I mean, you and she I, was pivotal, like absolutely pivotal in every decision I made, every choice. And so you and I talked about this. I lost my mom uh, July 28th of last year. Yeah. So while we're talking about mom. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, I'm assuming the 67 is, is pointing because that was the year she was born. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about your about your guitar. Um. Well, the guitar is. Uh. I I bought that guitar, like right after she passed, and um, and it was it was supposed to be just you know symbolic. I wasn't gonna like use it. I was just gonna have it, and it would be part of her shrine that I have in my house right now. Sure. And um, but it just it didn't feel right to just have it just be there. She wouldn't want me to do that. So. Instead of, because she was on stage with me for literally 25 years. Like, I've seen, I actually was able to find some video, and I yeah. gotta tell you, it's such a cool thing to be oh, able to man. see. Yeah, she was, she was a rock star. Like, yeah. Like, total rock star, and was just the sweetest human being like you'd ever meet. She was, she was awesome. And, um, so I, uh, I got this guitar, and, and I always wanted a Gibson anyway. So I, I've been on this, long journey of people telling me oh yeah your guitar is crap you have to have a gibson oh yeah that guitar is no good you have to get a gibson and it's like but they don't stay in tune very well you know sometimes so so i you know i've had many guitars and um but this one i was like i'm gonna get a gibson to honor my mom that's that's what i'll do and and i had them i have her ashes in the guitar itself so you actually so sent the guitar to gibson so they yeah so they yeah they were able to put the ashes in the guitar for me so that I could have mom on, have stage. Mom on stage. That is so times. damn cool because your mom, like you said, spent so many years on stage with you. Yep. Reluctantly at first. <laughs> cause, Cause that first time, that first time she, cause she, like I said, she would record me at the jams. I finally formed a band and, you know, convinced some guys to play with me. And, and, awesome. and that guitar has got such personality yeah. And I know that um, it's doing weird things. Yeah, it's like it's it's turning colors. It is turning colors, and, and they can't I've figure looked, out why. No one can tell me why. I've looked it up a million times, like because a guitar is made and it's like wood, and then paint, and then and sealed, it, and you seal it, yeah. right? So it's sealed with nitrocellulose. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was maybe because I wear so much black or leather or whatever, 
but it's not turning black. It's like a dark purple. Yes, yes. Which is weird because, to me, if it's rubbing off, it should rub the varnish off first, and then it should rub the paint. Right. And then there should be wood exposed. But people keep, oh, no, they just, they put a black coat on it before they painted it white. It's like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't, because I can see the grain through it. So it's turning like a blackish purple, and purple's my mom's favorite color. So I just chalk it up to I, I just gonna the say, guitar is haunted, or, wow. or blessed rather by her. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. That is so cool. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your work with Thornetta Davis. Yeah, yeah. And, and Thornetta, she took you under her wing when you were like 18 years old. Yeah, man. So, all right. So I was going to those jams, like I said. It always sure. comes back to these jams, man. That's where, that's where musicians are born. Right. So, you know, my mom was like, all right, well, you've been doing these jams and being very successful. And then, like, one of these days we got to go, like, downtown Detroit and check out Thornetta. And I was like, who is Thornetta? <laughs> and I don't know who that is. But is she great? Is she nice? I don't know. And, yes, she is great. And, yes, she is super nice. So she took me down to see Thornetta. And this was at the music menu in downtown Detroit. Okay. And I remember I had a gig with Iwana at uh, Fishbones where they had the waterfall. And uh, I did that gig, and then the next couple weeks or so, my mom took me down to the music menu to see Thornetta. Right on. And um, immediately, without even, without a question, my mom, you know, she talks to everybody. And then she just wanted me to meet her. She introduces me to Thornetta, and then we talk, and then she's like, well, do you want to come up and play? And I was like, oh, wait, what? what? You want me to play? <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not, I'm not coming up there with you she's like no just come on and play see i got a hard time believing that man i know in the chris canis that i know go go on go ahead man i was like (laughs) i'm not playing up there with y'all but it's like because a lot lot of time to me is like i go to see other musicians i don't expect to play i just go to see other musicians and i i can never get away with it they're like oh no you came you're you're playing we're putting you to work like right now (laughs) so um, so I went and played, and I'll, I'll never forget, Brett Lucas was on freaking fire because he's always on freaking fire, and Chuck Bartels on freaking fire, Julian Van Slyke on freaking fire, and these were like the these were like gods to me. These guys were just the greatest ever, and, and, and they're super professional, super nice, and Brett let me play his guitar, and I was like, wow, you're letting me play your own old like 60 something gibson standard are you crazy like honey burst like no bro i'm not touching that i don't i don't i don't i'm not worthy of that yet so i played it anyway and it was great and yeah changed my life i was like all right this is this is solidified what i want to do for the rest of my life i want to play guitars and hang out with awesome people and talk to awesome people and give my emotions through music to everyone and hopefully somebody and like find happiness or closure or something out of it, something. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about uh, your your stuff taking off and, and your star rising and mm-hmm. getting on your way. You know, you won the Ann Arbor Talent Show. Yeah. Uh, won the Cal- Kalamazoo Valley Blues Association Challenge. Yes, indeed. In 2010, winner of the Detroit Blues Challenge in 2012 and 2014. Mm-hmm. And you said you've been a semi-finalist several times right, at IBC? So, so with Memphis, it's, it's a little weird. So sure, sure. Memphis, you get down there, and then you have to play for, like, five days or whatever. So the first two days is, like, a quarterfinal or, or sub-final. They got so many different terms for their performances. I don't know. I can't keep track half the time. But we basically get to the end, almost got to the end, like the semifinals before the finals, every single year. And every single year 
we were wiped out by the per by the group that won the finals every single time wow. where it started to feel a little weird to me and my mom was like what's going on why why are we always put with the winners this of close. the group yeah. this close every yeah. time yeah is it on purpose we don't know we were we were conspiracy theorists back then. We didn't. <laughs> so so finally, but and, I, and me, I'm like, I don't need to do. I don't want to do this anymore. It's like it's just let's just focus on what we want to do and not what everyone else wants us to do. Right. Like, let's just do that. So, and I was like, all right, we'll do it one more time. And the one more time we did it, we um, we won Detroit, but we were already scheduled to be in Florida. So my keyboard player at the time. He had scheduled us. He was like, oh, we can just do the Florida Blues Challenge and, you know, we'll just do it as like a showcase just to, you know, show who we are down in Florida because he, he had a business up here and a house up here and in Florida. So long story short, we won both in the same year. And wow. I, being the person I am, is like, I don't know if this is legal, so let me call the president. So I called Joe Whitmer, um, the president at the time of the Blues Foundation. Right. And I was like, hey, um... Is this cool? Like we won two, so do do we? What do we do? Do we, get do we two just spots? represent two, or <laughs> like? Because I I would rather just give one of them away to the runner up, and you know I think that's fair. Right, that's what right. You, that's what you should do. He's like, well, this hasn't happened before. I was like, oh, sorry. So what do we? What do I do? And I was like, you know what? Never mind. I'll just I'll just give it to Florida because we won first in Detroit, and and Florida was mad at me for a minute. And was like, why did you even bother? It's like, I didn't know I was going to win down here. So, oh well. So we won. And then that year we went to the finals of Memphis. Wow. Yep. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and it has to feel good with, you know, the years that you've put into this. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, you're, you're coming up on your 39th birthday here this yeah, year, correct? Man, yeah, And yeah. I'm not I'm not picking That's, on you because I'm, oh, I'm hey. a lot older than you, man. I'm, I don't mind. I've been an old man since <laughs> I was 12, man. I've you, been old for a well, long time. Well, you got time. an old soul. There's a difference. That's right. There's That's a right. difference. But, you know, I, I got to talk about this. You're now known as a Chris Canis band. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to be known as, and I'm, I'm, I got to read this from the paper because I'll never get it right if I don't. You want me to do it? You want me to do it? Sure. All right. The hyperdynamic Chris Canis Blues Revolution. That's what <laughs> we used to be. And then I shortened it to the Chris Canis Blues Revolution. And then I sh it was C2BR, so Chris Canis BR. And then I was like, you know what? I don't need to BR. We'll just be Chris Canis Band. So like four iterations later, it was Chris and, Canis Band. And finally. you know the thing is, I, I mentioned this to you before we recorded that um, – the hyperdynamic blues revolution really mm -hmm. fits you because, um, and, and, and Amber so poignantly pointed out, there's there's a difference between the Chris Canis when he's not on stage and the Chris right. Canis when he's on stage. And I got to tell you, man, the thing that in, that that cranked me up when I first saw you down in Albion at the Brick Wall. Mm -hmm. You just came out of it, shot out of a cannon. <laughs> and it was that way for an hour and a half. Yeah, man, 90-minute sets. Dude. You didn't, yeah. yeah. Who does 90-minute sets? Um, I, okay, this is the reason. A lot of people, like, gripe on me about it. They're like, man, we need breaks and stuff. Like, people, <laughs> especially people that sit in. And I always find it funny when guys, like, they see they see the band and they're like, you know, you know, musicians are like, mm, I can do that. And, you know. And they see, okay, these guys aren't really doing much or whatever. And then they're like, hey, man, if you need a bass player, let me know. And I'm like, okay, bet. So whenever DC takes off, I call those people. And then they sit in, and they're like, I don't know how y'all do this. Like, what? 
if you do this every time, serious it's like, yeah, stamina. It's, yeah, it's every single single show, and we do ninety minute sets, and I don't consider them like set one, set two, set three, like most people. Right. I it's show one and show two. Right. So if you come in on the first at the beginning of the show, you get a full fledged roller coaster show, and then if you didn't, if you came in on like the second set, for instance, second show, it's completely it's the same. You get the same quality no matter what. Yeah. So like. A lot of times you do one set and then you take a break and then you do another set and you take a break, you do another set. It's like you're just getting geared up. You're just getting to that point of of excitement and, and comfort and groove at that like hour mark. But then most guys are taking a break right there where we push through it. Right. And then you get these magical moments of of stamina and creativity and your mind is is I call it flow, musical flow. Oh, you're absolutely. just flowing like kind of like when Jordan like is is in the zone and a basketball player or somebody is in the zone yep. you can't stop them at that point yeah it's just you just let them go just like just move just let them score because we can't do anything because you're well, on fire and the thing that i liked about the the thing that i like about your musical style is you're not a quote-unquote traditional blues musician right however you bring a lot of the traditional blues flavor to your music right but yeah. then you've also got that on fire, almost like a blues rock, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then you've got the purists out there going, well, you know, I don't, I don't like Joe Bonamassa because he's not traditional blues. Yeah. I like Joe Bonamassa. I like Chris Canis mm -hmm. because of the fact that it's, it's fun. Yeah. And, and it's high energy. And that's the thing. And, and a lot of people think, oh, you got to stick to the, stick to the tune. It's like, sure. Maybe if you're playing a wedding, you can play it note for note as it's written, but Music is there to interpret it. It's yep. not there for you to just copy it and, and paste it somewhere else. Like, and that's when I pick songs, I pick them very strategically. It's like I don't just pick something that everybody likes. Like, I can play Bruno Mars all day. Like, that's fine. We do we do play Bruno Mars, but it's like, am I connected to what he's saying though? Not really. But you know, like a BB King, nobody loves me but my mother, and she could be jiving too. Yeah, I connect to that a little bit more. You know, because right. I, it's it's happened maybe not not my mom she would never she would never not not jive me or you know whatever but um but it's just you have to a lot of guys just stand up there and play and i prefer to dig deep into the song to get to the root of what the artist was actually feeling at the time right that's what i want people to do with my stuff like feel it for real go to a place that you went to and be there with me either in pain or in pleasure, whatever it may be, but feel something. And and that's what I try to put into every show, every note of every show. You know, I, I'm going to talk about another artist for a minute. Yeah. Um, we got to see Jake Kershaw. Yeah, that's my buddy, man. Um, up in St. Louis here mm -hmm. just a few weeks ago. And I had never seen him. Okay. Um, much like you, I was turned on to his music by, uh, by Roger Gentry. You know okay. Roger? I know Roger. Man. Roger's, the one, Roger? Roger's <laughs> the one that turned me on to your music. Well, he turned me on to this guy. And I'm, I'm looking at this kid going, he's 22. Yeah. They what, can all he, are. what can he do? And then I heard him do the Billy Mays. Billy Mays? Billy, I think it's Billy Mays. I think. Have Wait. you ever loved a woman? Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, yeah, God. Yep. Yeah. That's a new one for him. He wasn't doing that before, I don't think. If you go to remember. go to Jake Kershaw's website, mm -hmm. and if you're listening, you need to do this too. Scroll down, and there's three videos at the bottom. Yeah. And if I thought I could pull it up on my phone and run it through this right now and let you hear a little bit of it, yeah. 
It is incredible. I mean, this kid was, he made you feel. And yeah. that's the one, one of the things that I've always been guilty of, if there's anything to be guilty of, is I have to feel the music. Mm-hmm. That For me to get involved in it and enjoy it, I have to feel it. And right. that's what blues, blues speaks to me. Yeah, same. You know, I don't same. just hear it. I feel it. It, yep. it, it resonates with me. And um, so when I, when I hear a kid, 22 years old, belting this thing out with everything in his, in his soul, mm-hmm. I'm like, he needs to do what Toby Lee did. You know who Toby Lee I is? I know Toby, yeah. Toby did that uh, album, Icons. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, 10 songs or 12 songs of their covers of people that inspired him through his journey. Right. And I'm like, that's what that kid needs to do. Because oh, he definitely does. I think I've, I've been listening and, and hanging with Jake for a minute now. He's, oh, man. He's definitely done that through his, through his albums. Yeah. You he's, can hear it. You yeah, can, oh, definitely. You can hear it, yeah. Definitely. And, he, and he's another one. He's not the stone traditional blues, but mm-hmm. when we went to see him up at the Gem Theater... He gave us a blues show to right. remember. And that's the thing is like, I, and I used to get this all the time. People always try to pigeon pigeonhole you or put you in a box mm-hmm. and try to define you. And, and they've been trying to do that for me for a long time. And it's like, you can't define me. Even B.B. King himself, his exact words were, I never planned on being just a blues musician. I just wanted to be a musician. And that's what we should focus on. It's not like, oh, well, you didn't play a, a one, four, five slow blues all night, so you're not a blues band. It's like, look, when I feel like playing a slow blues, a slow, greasy, gritty blues, yep. I can do it. Or if I want to play something funky, then I can do it. That's the thing. You have to be versatile and not just play one thing. Because No matter how much I love blues, and I'm going to tell you, I, I have every B.B. King album. I have every Freddie King album. I have every Albert Collins album. Luther Allison, I can name them all. Right, I can play right. them all. But at some point, I can't listen to it no more. It's like, all right, I'm done. All right. I have blues fatigue. I can't listen to it yeah, anymore. You gotta listen I got to listen else. to something I else. It. I get it. And it's like, and, and I think that's what people That get doesn't make up. you a bad person. It doesn't make you a, a no. horrible blues no. man. It just makes you somebody who's got ear fatigue of hearing the same song all the time. It's over diversity. Over it's diversity. And, yeah. that's, and that's what makes blues so great it's diverse you can have country blues you can have ballroom blues you can Mm -hmm. have funky blues you can have slow blues ballad blues church blues all of it it encompasses everything and that's what i love most about it and that's why i continue to to preach it and and push it as far as i can Take him to the blues church, man. man. I heard I heard that live album. Take him to church. Take him to church, man. Take me to, look. Hey, take me to church, DC. There you go, man. And DC hates it when I say, "Come on, DC," because he knows he's like, "Oh, he means jump." He mean he wants me to jump. That's why he's saying, "Come on, DC." <laughs> so I I gotta ask you and talk about your creative process when you're writing music. Is it lyrics first? Is it music? What? How do you start? What do you? What's your process? I, okay, I start with any and everything okay. it could be it could be the chug of like the wheels bouncing on the on the ground because where i live the roads are crap and you need to do better 69 but, over here between <laughs> here and flint baby i get it man you could and i hear music in everything if you ever see the movie august rush that that movie encompasses like my creative process it's like any little tap any little thing birds chirping ice cream truck going by which is the entertainer by the way Right on, nice, nice right point. on. 
in anything, a dog barking, everything is music to me. And I typically start with either a beat, a bass line, or I'll write something pretty on guitar, or I'll just have a straight up emotion. And just like he sent it this way on purpose, a dog's barking in the background here. Boom. There. <laughs> now we got another song. We got another song to write right now. We're going to do it right now. And, and sometimes even I'll think of the title of the song first, which, right is, which is a weird way to do it, I know. But, like, I'll think of, like, I'll have an emotion and then I'll or somebody will say something. Like a friend of mine said, man, that's some dirty love right there. Boom. Now I have another song. I'm yeah. going to write a really nasty, greasy blues song that's kind of kind of erotic about dirty love. Now that's a song on my backlog that I have but to it's record. There. And yeah. it might be on the next album. I don't know. But that's, A Mother's Love will definitely be on the next album because that's the song about my mom. I am I am so looking forward to it. And we're gonna we're getting close to wrapping up here. Mm -hmm. You're almost 39, like I mentioned. Yeah. You've you've written over 150 songs. Right. Yeah. You've released seven albums. You've performed with the likes of Joe Bonamassa, Thornetta, uh, Eliza Neals, Larry mm -hmm. McRae, and so many others. That's it's an incredible resume for a guy your age. It really yeah, is. Yeah. And I and I know you I know you understand that and you respect oh, for sure. that. For sure. Where do you go from here? What's 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 on the horizon, man? What's um, coming up? Going seeing the rest of of our beautiful country that we have. I'm trying to go as far west as possible because I don't I don't really push that way. I mean, we've been to New York and, and everywhere down south, but we haven't really been west too much, like California okay. area. Um, I have some friends in Sacramento. I might, if you hey look, look at my hat, look at my hat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sacramento yeah. Blue Society. That's it, man. The former president sent me that. Did he really? Yes, she did. Oh, she. She sent oh, that. Yeah, her name sorry. is Mary Lou, and Mary she'll be Lou. listening to this. Okay. She'll Hi, be Mary listening Lou. to this. So, Hi, Mary Lou. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, getting over there. Um, yeah. I mean, we've going, getting back overseas, too, because um, that was, oh, man, that's a story in itself. I don't know if I have time, but. Um, Long story short, I got to help my mom fulfill one of her biggest dreams and traveling overseas to perform for the for the folks in Portugal wow. for the for the um, Santa Fe Blues Festival, like highlight of my life. And to see her just beaming in the ocean with her toes in and blues everywhere. Can't I want it. you to re to remember the next time we sit down. Mm -hmm. I want to hear this story. I'm gonna tell at it length, yeah. seriously for sure. My guest has been Chris Canis, um, Detroit's Prince of the Blues. There's not a question about it. Uh, if you want to hear more from Chris, I would strongly recommend that you check out his website, which is? ChrisCanis.com or .net. It don't matter. We got both. And you can also download or buy CDs um, either way. Uh, of course, there's uh, there's swag. I'm wearing one of his shirts yes, today. Yeah, I got the hat on right, <laughs> right now, I think. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks we will talk me. to you soon. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Baby, I'm this has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, 
Vibes, and Vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.